0: Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Livestream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today.
1: Warning, Binge Mode features adult content.
0: Much like the show Game of Thrones, about which we are talking. If you watch Game of Thrones and you're fine with it, you'll probably be fine with this podcast. If not, the Ringer NBA show is very good.
1: And now, Binge Mode. Thousands of years ago, there came a night
0: that lasted a generation. Kings froze to death in their castles, same as the shepherds in their huts. In that darkness, the white walkers came for the first time. They swept through cities and kingdoms, riding their dead horses, hunting with their packs of pale spiders, big as hounds.
1: And welcome to Binge Mode, the newest podcast from The Ringer. I'm Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of TheRinger.com. Joining me today, Woo! now that he's finished talking to Cersei about oh. fucking some painted whores, Whoa. it's Ringer staff writer and the internet's Archmaster, Jason Concepcion. Jason, hello? Hello. <laughs> Jason, like so many characters on Game of Thrones, we are... Uh, Choosing our opponents wisely, Oh, um, watching and <laughs> yeah. deep-diving into all 60 episodes of our very favorite show. We're doing it one episode at a time. Those who fear spoilers should take caution, take shelter. We will uh, be going deep on details yep. from both the show and the books in the context of this episode, this season, and beyond. But expert warriors and those using torny swords alike are welcome here. So we strap on our armor, shiny as ever, and soldier on to discuss season one, episode three Lord Snow. Jason. Yeah. Before we get down to our work as the Lords of Small Matters. Sure. Let's take a quick trip down our very own Kings Road Mm -hmm. by offering a brief refresher on what actually happened in this third episode, which sees numerous key figures arrive at seats of perceived power. Take us through it.
0: At the wall, we meet Alistair Thorne for the first time. He delights in fucking with John pretty much from the jump and gives him the nickname Lord Snow, which will follow John for quite a few years. John wants Benjamin to take him on a ranging because things have gotten so uh not to his liking. He's kind of whiny about it. Benjamin says, Here a man gets what he earns. I'm a ranger.
1: <laughs> Strong Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: John and his fellow recruits uh scuffle a bit before Tyrion uh, has a teaching moment with them. And John uh starts trying to co-opt his his new recruits and, and forge them into a team rather than just bully them apart. Lord Commander Mormont and Master Aemon ask Tyrion, uh, who is heading back south, back to King's Landing, for more men because they don't have any and all the ones they have are rapists and criminals. And meanwhile, <laughs> Tyrion's parting gift to the Wall is a hot blast of urine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Colorful. Yeah. Colorful imagery. Uh, back in Winterfell... Rob and Bran share a very tender, brotherly moment, but only after Bran finishes story time with old Nan. Yeah,
0: oldie. In King's Landing, Ned, Sansa, and Arya arrive at the gates, and it's very hot, and they look very sweaty in their wool doublets.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ned, uh, You want a more breathable fabric. You really do. You really want a breathable fabric in King's (laughs) Landing. You really do. Uh,
0: Ned enters the throne room to find Jamie, sitting there
1: next Ah. to the throne this time. Sounds familiar, right? Mirror image of how Ned found Jamie up on the Iron Throne above the Mad King's corpse at the end of Robert's Rebellion, the Sack of King's Landing. Uh, Ned takes him in, in his
0: first small council meeting and finds it to be a confusing and troubling affair he discovers that the realm is millions in debt to the Lannisters and though we don't know it at the time the Iron Bank of Braavos uh, Detective Emoji cat Stark arrives in King's Landing and she hides out in Littlefinger's brothel for a while she lets Littlefinger and uh, Ned know about her suspicions about the Lannisters Cat uh, convinces Ned to trust Littlefinger which is bad great choice cat. yeah way and to go asshole also Littlefinger reveals that uh, the Valyrian steel dagger was indeed his and that he lost it in a bet to Tyrion Lannister. Ned signs Arya up for Fight Club with Serio Forel. Uh, Cersei counsels Joffrey on the intricacies of relationship building. Doesn't go that well. Doesn't really take. Cersei and Jamie grapple with the consequences of Bran waking up, which is really just they're worrying about it. And Robert, Jamie, and Barriston trade war stories about uh, the first their first kills and we meet Lancel Lannister. Gods, I was strong then.
1: Sorry. I thought you were gonna go with, yeah. gods, what a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> Robert is the, the best at saying he really he is is god's, gods. Gods
0: Lancel,
1: what a stupid <laughs> name. <laughs> Meanwhile, over in the Dothraki Sea, yes. Danny refers to herself as Khaleesi. Gives her first command, taking on the leadership role. One is not too pleased about this. Viserys absolutely loses his mind and then promptly, in a fitting dothraki punishment, loses his horse. Ever so slightly more important in this episode, Danny finds out she's pregnant. Khaleesi is pregnant. Would you like a dog for dinner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps a goat. And uh, Jora, in uh, not the best moment for my future husband, Duh. runs off to inform serve two masters you actually serve none but that jawline though you know that (laughs) jawline though okay jason all of those introductions to seats of perceived power the wall the small council at the red keep etc they get right to this episode's big idea so let's cut to the core of it stick it with the pointy end the defining theme of this episode is institutional decay
0: the rot goes quite deep in Westeros and even if it's not visible it's everywhere this is a this is a realm that's on the verge of collapse uh, whether Everyone knows it or not, the Night's Watch, the oldest institution, man-made institution in in the continent, has lost its way from its uh, from its mission. The night, the White Walkers haven't been seen in eight thousand years or so. Um, really, they're just kind of like a border control force that goes on occasional uh, forays against wildlings, who are you know barely uh, equipped nomadic peoples. The entire force is staffed by criminals and rapists and some failed royals. Um, And this is something that John figures out firsthand. This this is the vaunted Night's Watch, and all they can staff are three castles of the 19 along the wall. And, you know,
1: not the crack force. We see how this truth sort of shatters over John, this realization, and it's like it sucks for us as viewers to be learning this, and that's only after basically like kind of an hour of real time of thinking this was gonna (laughs) be cool for him. Imagine his entire life thinking this was gonna be his out, this was gonna be his way to glory and really more crucially like a sense of self-worth. And then what does he walk into? And you know, he says to Tyrion, as he's struggling with this, everybody knew what this place was, but no one told me, no one but you, they left me to rot on the wall all the same. That's gotta be a bad, yeah, bad feeling. But John, because he's not at this point the most, you know, he's not a man grown yet, right? Yeah. Still still a green boy. And he's processing this basically this disappointment. He's kind of like bummed out and glum. And he kind of compensates for this by being a real douchebag to everyone <laughs> and he says multiple times throughout the course of this episode essentially some yeah. version of i'm better than all these other yeah. people and it's a really refreshing moment when Benjamin, who probably went through a similar stage of realization and yeah. acceptance must that have, John, I mean, it must have been
0: real tough you're not you're not going to inherit winterfell you're not going to get a keeper castle anywhere right go we don't have anything off. for you Got to go to the wall.
1: And he tra- Benjamin does try to subtly kind of yeah. prime John for that in the first episode when he does... like He's saying, you know, you don't really understand right. you don't what understand you'd be giving is. up. right? And he says again to John, there's another teachable moment here when he says, you're better than no one. Right. Here, a man gets what he earns when he earns it. Of course, then. <laughs> Got to have the, the, the token, we'll speak when I return. Whoops. Y- you can't end a conversation with John without promising that you're going to speak to him again yeah. one day and then never seeing him again. It's just it's really a crucial part of this show. And it's interesting because you'd figure John being from
0: the north, the wall being in the north, uh that he would realize that. But actually but it this this brings an important point to the fore which is that the night's watch has a different standing in the north. It's it, it, embedded deeply into the uh-huh. culture at, of the north. Um you know, they saved the world. And so they wouldn't quite they they still see it as um a uh, a very honorable profession
1: we see that play out in the conversation between Benjen and Tyrion yes. later on right yeah. because it's a lot easier for Tyrion right. to, to distance himself yep. from what's happening here and it's impossible basically for Benjen to not take it as a slight yeah and so he says to him the Night's Watch is a joke to you right isn't it right he's basically trying to shame Tyrion for not taking their plight Seriously, he goes on to say they die in pain, and they do it so plump, little lords, <laughs> like, lords you like you can enjoy their summer afternoons in peace and comfort. Great, great comeback from Tyrion. Turns, turns to Yoren. Do you think I'm plump? <laughs> <laughs> always one with the always one for the quick retort there, which is uh, which is one of his his hallmarks. Um, but then you know what? What's Tyrion's explanation for yeah. this, for his stance? He says that he admires the Night's Watch, but there's always the but. <laughs> I don't believe the giants and ghouls and white walkers are lurking beyond the wall. I believe that the only difference between us and the wildlings is that when that wall went up, our ancestors happened to live on the right side. He's right in a way. He's right and he, he's wrong. He's right he's really and he's wrong. He's really right and he's really wrong. He's
0: right and he's wrong. That the, the wall did go up and those that were on the other side could easily have been northerners, but now they're not. Uh, and it has been nearly 10,000 years since the white walkers were last seen. So for all intents and purposes, they are perhaps legendary but we do know that they exist right they're
1: back and Eamon Mr. Eamon yeah. he's kind of like a bridge between some of these worlds oh big time and he has is one of the first moments that he will yeah. then continue to have where he really serves as the voice of reason The 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 sort of like Figure hanging over everybody who is able to step back yeah. and see the stakes, see what is really happening, what has happened in the past, yeah. what could happen in the future, and to not be bound by just what he's used to. Yeah. Right? He's beyond that now. And he says, the Night's Watch is the only thing standing between the realm and what lies beyond, and it has become an army of undisciplined boys and tired old men. Yeah. There are less than a thousand of us now. We can't man the other castles on the wall. We can't properly patrol, dot, dot, dot. We barely have enough resources. So that's like a nice little putting the bow on the institutional decay thing there. Like he's basically saying that it's not even an institution at all. It's more of the idea of an institution and the idea can hold up in people's minds, but it can't actually hold up in a fight. And of those less than... 1,000 men, you know, only a
0: third of them are gonna be rangers. There's, you know, the others are cooks and and builders, uh, not armed forces, not armed men, not the point of the spear. So they're much weaker than even that makes them appear to be. Uh, And then meanwhile, you look, you zoom out at the realm itself, it's broke. (laughs) They got no money. Uh, You know, Ned finds out that the crown is uh, six million in debt, half to the Lannisters, which ain't good. The Lannisters also secretly broke, though not telling anyone. Uh, and the rest to the Iron Bank, who is, are, you don't want to go into debt against the Iron Bank. So What does this mean? Uh, the crown can't make moves in the ways that it would like to. It can't meet challenges. Uh, it's just been badly managed. Part of that is the knock-on effects from Robert's Rebellion. Uh, you know, they um, King Aerys also was beggaring the realm at the time and he was uh, raising up these kind of like rogue lords and anyone who would support him to high positions and and people were getting rich off that so when Robert came in all of a sudden you need to find this source of money here comes the Lannisters open handed marry my daughter you get all the money you want so the kind of uh, the vistas and the perspective of the of Westeros has really, you know, it's it's shrunk. It's become a very insular land of kind of like feuding families, which it always was, but there was kind of like an overarching um, glory to it, and that glory has really faded now.
1: And it's it's so. Interesting too in terms of Viserys, right? Because yeah. like, what's the big knock on him? Beggar king, but in a way, if you wanted to be really uncharitable, you could say that Robert's no different. Yeah, he's also a beggar king. He just happens to have more armor and shields and swords around him, right. right? Hey guys, just a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Binge mode is brought to you by Directv. Now, live stream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO. And start watching Game of Thrones today. And now back to binge mode. So, okay, why is everything broken in the realm? Let's just quickly run through some of the things that people say in yeah. this episode, okay? There's the great, really good parenting by Cersei <laughs> in this episode. Great exchange between Cersei and Joffrey, very telling. He says, so you agree the Starks are. Our our enemies and she says, everyone who isn't us is an enemy. Okay. Varys, my little birds are everywhere, even in the north. They whisper to me the strangest stories. Ned finally sort of learning to accept Littlefinger after Cat talks him into it. You're a true friend. And then Littlefinger says, don't tell anyone. I have a reputation to maintain. Like being a good dude is a bad thing. <laughs> right. Don't slander me by saying I'm a nice guy. Right. Robert, when he's talking, uh, sharing war stories with Jamie and Barrison and talking yeah. about his first kill and says, now the Tarly's bend the knee like everyone else. He could have lingered on the edge of the battle like a smart boy talking about the first guy right. he killed. Like that's, the noble thing to right. do. How do you survive? You don't participate. Nobody tells you that they shit themselves. <laughs> and then Cersei, again, classic parenting move here. Someday you'll sit on the Iron Throne, and the truth will be what you make it. Why is everything so fucked up? Yeah. Because nobody is invested in doing the right thing. It's it's a me first society, right? Like this is this is Trumpism. <laughs> <laughs> and Cersei making the classic
0: mistake of of. Uh, overestimating the power that the uh, that the king would have. Part of the reason that Robert drinks and whores so much is he, whether he understands it consciously or not, he senses the tenuousness of his position.
1: She should know better, yeah, she should right? Know better. Why is she telling Joffrey something that she knows isn't true because she is currently or about to be in the position yeah. of making it not true? Right. So, okay, a lot of what we just touched on stems from Changing circumstances, or a falling out, or faulty leadership, a loss of purpose, some combination thereof, right? One of this story's prime examples of faulty leadership and falling out yeah. centers on what went down with the Mad King and on why Jamie and Ned seem to have so much beef with each other. The episode opens right after Ned arrives. In those walls, those rituals, yeah. <laughs> with a tense moment between Ned and Jamie in the throne room, hearkening back a mirror image of a past encounter. And they discuss quickly thereafter one of the most painful events of Ned's life, the death of his father and brother, which Jamie witnessed. We also see Robert in another scene, the war story scene, ask Jamie about the Mad King's death in this episode. So, Maester, yes. please assemble the conclave. Take us to the Citadel and teach us everything we need to know about the Mad King and Ned and Jamie's history.
0: You know, Jamie is one of the most interesting characters in the entire story. Mm-hmm. It's his handsome. handsomeness. <laughs> his handsomeness is a mask in a way because it, it, it makes people uh, overlook the... Tr- tragic nature like of his life uh-huh. as uh, a tween boy, not yet even a teenager, um, was the apple of his father's eye, if such a thing could be said, about the iron-hearted Tywin Lannister. He was sent to Squire for a uh, Lord Crake Hall, and this was during a campaign against the Kingswood Brotherhood, which is an outlaw band stalking the Kingswood during the late days of the Mad King's reign. He acquitted himself uh, quite well. He saved his his knight's life. Uh, was knighted himself by the hand of Sir Arthur Dane one of the most famous knights in the realm some would say many would argue the greatest fighter uh, that the realm has ever produced so by this tender age of of mid teens Jamie Lannister was already a legend um, had the respect of Ser Barristan Selmy and so he becomes a Kingsguard Ares is very supportive of this depending on which tales you read Cersei convinced Jaime to become a member of the Kingsguard or King Ares really was the one who spearheaded this whatever the case he becomes a, a member of the Kingsguard part of that means he can no longer have children in a stroke Tywin Lannister's heir is taken away from him his only other choice is Tyrion who's a dwarf and you know, is is not acceptable. This has a lot of hidden effects. Tywin feels that this is a shot at him. And so this would be part of the anger that's kind of like simmering under the surface um, and the context for Tywin sacking the city, changing sides um, right at the end of Robert's Rebellion. So Robert's Rebellion breaks out, Tywin changes sides, uh, sacks the city, and then Jamie, who is... He's 15 at the time, and you have to... This is a thing that people forget. He was a a teenager, and he's witnessing all this, and King Ares is... Who he knows has placed uh, wildfire throughout the city. He's ready to destroy the entire city, everyone there. He's screaming, burn them all, burn them all. So what does Jamie do? He stabs him in the back. Um, Save lives, honestly. Save thousands of lives, but... Because of the things the rest of the Lannisters did, killing the, the, the children, uh, the rape of Elia Martell, it's just a really bad look. And when Ned comes to claim the throne for Robert, he opens up the doors to the throne room and what does he see? He sees young Jamie Lannister with a bloody sword sitting on the Iron Throne and Ares at his feet. And it's an image that left a indelible mark in Ned's mind. He doesn't like the Lannisters. He doesn't trust them. They're false. Uh, they'll stab you in the back at a moment's notice and they're not to be believed or trusted or left unlooked at.
1: couple things here. Yeah. One of Jamie's truly great comebacks is... Would you have admired me more if I stabbed the mad king in the belly? I mean, he's right. Exactly. Like so much he's is right. made of the specifics and the logistics <laughs> yeah. of what he right. did. And, Whoa, blah, 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 blah. that's not an honorable. Like, and and that's a, that's that's a theme for the show in yeah, general. Really like the method of yep. death. So much hangs on that. Where we see this playing out right now throughout the first few episodes of season one with yep. John Aaron and oh, the idea of poison. Poison being a woman's <laughs> weapon. Right. So much is made of how someone actually goes down and. It's it's like, does this really matter? Well, do these people? It does. The other thing, it's interesting because you're mentioning Jamie's age so much throughout, and you know the show ages up a lot of these characters, yeah, right? Uh, not not just Jamie, almost all of the right. characters. And but in Jamie's case, even being aged up on the show, because I I think he says he's 16 right. for his first kill, he's yeah. still like that's super precocious still yes. to be that good, that young at what he's doing, and.
0: And it's an it's an interesting thing that that culture would see fighting prowess as a stand-in for actual maturity, you know. He exactly. can kill a man, so therefore he is a man.
1: You recognize strength, yes. right? That's all they recognize as yeah. strength. And Jamie, it's a, it's going to be a long time before we see him fully run through the events of this night yeah. and what was going through his heart and his mind when he made this decision. But he actually gives us quite a bit here. Yeah. When he says to Ned later when the Mad King died, I remembered him laughing as he watched your father burn. It felt like justice. Like many of the characters in the show and oftentimes the show itself early on are trying to paint Jamie as a corrupted soul, as a villainous sort, a turncloak he ultimately whether the logic is twisted or not you could you could ask if any character's logic is ever pure right. like altruism isn't really a thing in this world <laughs> yeah, not <at> all, right? <laughs> but he has his own code his yes. own his own sense of what's right and wrong and in this moment he is trying to follow it he's also trying in his own way to explain that to ned yeah. but of course ned you see, the,
0: all he sees is the shining
1: armor, the handsome face. She won't hear it. Not hearing yeah. it. His little finger will go yeah. on to say, you know, Starks, quick temper, slow minds. Yeah. Slow minds. It's all there for you, Ned, if you would only just fucking listen. <laughs> Maester, as much as uh, I'd like to polish Jamie's armor with you forever. Yes. It's time to head to the Sept to bathe in the light of the Seven Ooh. by sharing seven of our favorite insights and observations from this episode. What do you got? What stood out to you? Uh, I love old Nan's
0: hit here. She comes in and she just throws 120 miles per hour for an inning. <sighs> I love uh, Rob's little rejoinder that uh, old Nan once told him that the sky is blue because the world exists in the eye of a blue eyed giant named McCumber. Perhaps it does.
1: Can I just say, not to get too cheesy here. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. cry quite yet. Sure. When Bran responds to that yeah. and just in the softest, gentlest yeah. voice says, maybe we do. Oof. I, it's truly one of my favorite moments in the show. I mean it, it really is. It's so beautiful. And because it's kind of like a meta thing, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, maybe we do. How do we ever really know? The imagination, the open-mindedness, that's why Bran is so superior to so many of these other people yeah. and is going to go travel this kind of quintessential hero's arc. He is receptive to ideas that other people really are. And yeah. It reminds me of a great moment in Deathly Hallows, one of my all-time <laughs> oh! favorite. I, you didn't <laughs> yeah, think right, I was right, going right. to get this far without going <laughs> into to a Harry Potter thing. But when, when Harry says, is this, all, yeah, is this real, so. is this all happening inside my head, and Dumbledore says... Of course it's happening inside your head. But why on earth should that mean it isn't real? It's just like this is why we read stories. This is why we watch shows. This is why we dive into a world where we're going to spend 60 episodes talking about a thing that we've both probably watched so many times we can't even count anymore. We love it. Yeah. And it's beautiful. All right. Enough. Enough cheese. I'm sorry. Next. Number two of the seven. Cersei tells Joffrey. The occasional kindness will spare you all sorts of trouble down the road. Just and I just want to say, <laughs> yeah, right. what if he had listened? What if she had listened? <laughs> what if she had, like listened to herself? He, I guess he tried briefly. You know, <laughs> g- g- gives mm-hmm. a little, gives a little, a little locket. You're my lady. Right. Here's, my here's lady. a locket. I've
0: named it th- Throat Killer. Yeah,
1: Joffrey. It's <laughs> like the one good bit of advice your mom <laughs> ever gave you. You should have taken it to heart.
0: I mentioned this at the top, but the Iron Bank. Um, They own a portion of the crown's debt, foreshadowing trouble to come from over the seas.
1: Fourth up for me. And yeah. uh, again, just uh, whew, kind of a kind of tugging at the heartstrings here a little bit. Painful, painful to return yeah. to these early episodes and realize how many of the amazing pairings that we see we are ultimately robbed of long term. We are going to spend a lot of time making fun of cat and ned like a lot of time making fun of cat and ned they're easy targets but honestly like an incredibly tender final moment between them really beautiful really lovely Tyrion and john i would be (sighs) i would i would spend six seasons with those two i'm so sad that they had to say goodbye that early on Tyrion and Uh yoren what brothel would we not go to with those two I think you're, you know, Yorin, you know. Yorin might be one of these Sally on the side guys that Sam is always talking about, <laughs> right. you know? Well, I think Yorin
0: uh, wants to know more about the Dornish women. That's right. The women That's of Dorn. Right. All right. What's next? Uh, King Robert's first kill at Summer Hall was um, kind of an interesting fact that it would happen then because Summer Hall was not even, the, it was the second battle of the rebellion. And then there were three battles within that battle. So it's kind of interesting to think that Robert, this great warrior, Hadn't really killed anybody yet. Um, I don't buy it. Do you know about it? Nah. I s- brought my hammer down on his chest, I caved think- in his <laughs> breastplate. Yeah, gods, I was strong then. My
1: my my guess here is they don't is- tell you how
0: they shit themselves.
1: <laughs> uh, I have to assume that he just was too drunk to remember, right. blacked out during a couple of early I, kills. I also love <laughs> I also love the way when uh, Barrison
0: tells him what he did. With a lance, kill him with a lance. Oh, quick one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Robert's yeah. definitely familiar with quick ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, sixth, for me, the sound editing in the mm. final scene of this episode is absolutely unrivaled. Chills. Ned walks up and watches Arya and Sirio engaging in a, 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 a dancing, a water dancer lesson. Music's playing, it's coming in pitch perfect. And Sirio's just saying over and over again, dead. Dead. Very dead. And suddenly, as he's saying that, the sound changes from the the clack of wood on wood to metal on metal, actual sword on sword, simultaneously calling back to what Ned has already lived through and foreshadowing (laughs) what, on some level, he knows (laughs) is about to come. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about uh, health violations.
1: Yeah, let's.
0: Um... (laughs) Tyrion shakes John's hand after uh, urinating off the wall. Hope he tapped that one out. <laughs> tapped that little guy out. Um, Eerie and Ricaro talking about uh, what they want to feed Danny since she's now pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pretty gross. Eerie settles for a moment on dog before being talked <laughs> out of it by Jora. And then you know, Littlefinger holding an important business meeting in a brothel. He holds all his important business meetings in brothels. I, I
1: hope he's well stocked. I wouldn't shake that guy's hand. Shake. I wouldn't touch that man. Clorox wipes and Purell. I hope yeah. he. I hope he Pores has an never abundance. That's, that's true. <laughs> Smarter investment. Yeah. All right. Well, we can uh, we can only hope to have as much business savvy as uh, Littlefinger, the brothel keep, because each episode we are going to honor the person or creature who played the game advanced his or her or his or her allies cause in some tangible way yeah. and this week the winner of this metaphorical joust and by extension our champion's purse is aria
0: what an episode for aria what an episode for aria uh first of all she owns a sword which is not a thing that a lady not a proper lady Little ladies
1: shouldn't play with swords. That's right. What an amazing comeback. First of all, I wasn't playing. Right. I wasn't <laughs> playing, bitch. <laughs> and I don't want to be a lady. I have to say, like, just personally here, yeah. as someone who basically has to be forced to put on a dress for my own wedding, <laughs> much respect here to Arya. Much respect.
0: Uh, I mean, not only does she own a sword, but when Ned finds it, he conv- she convinces him to keep it and she convinces him with such force that he feels compelled to get her a sword fighting teacher.
1: Here's the thing, though. From Bravos, As usual, Ned walked into this one because he says to her, he always gives his opponent (laughs) the ammo that he or she needs. He says, we've come to a dangerous place. We cannot fight a war amongst ourselves. He's basically trying to say, be nice to your sister. right? But he's helping her make the argument to keep the sword. Oh, Ned. When Arya and Sirio have their scenes together, it is some of the best stuff that they do on this show, full stop ever. And one of the lines, there are just so many great lines that I would carry around a Sirio quote book. (laughs) I really would. I like to think I carry it in my heart at all times. But when he says, the grip must be delicate, and she says, what if I drop it? What does he say, man? The steel must be part of
0: your arm. Can you drop part of your arm? Here's the thing.
1: Yeah, flawless logic. It's so good. Because you can't drop part of your arm. It's and that so means good. You can't chop the sword. It's, it's just great stuff. I wish I had teachers that good when I was growing up. <laughs> he also has this beautiful summation of the exercises that they're undertaking yeah. together. He says, "Remember, child, this is not the dance of the Westerosi we are learning. The knight's dance, hacking and hammering. This is the bravos dance <laughs> the, the water, water dance. <laughs> it is swift and sudden. All men are made of water." Do you know this? This is so good. If you pierce them, the water leaks out and they die. And they <laughs> die. It's just perfect. It's just perfect. Serio teaches you everything you need to know. What a guy. Her first list. Yes. Early on.
0: Her very first list. I hate all of them. All of and them. of course this would become a defining characteristic of Arya. And, you know, as usual, she's she's just more in tune with the dangers of the place, the dangers that surround them and the things that are going on than Ned, which is not surprising. No. Ned, uh, a little bit of a dunderheaded dude. He's spent <laughs> the last uh, almost 20 years just with his head stuck in the ground under Winterfell. Um, Ned tells Arya that Sansa must take Joffrey's side even when he's wrong. Because one day they'll be wed, and Arya asks how he can let Sansa marry someone like that, and it's a great, great question, question. great question, great bro.
1: Question.
0: <laughs> Very Aria, good question, guys.
1: Arya is so hip and with it. She yeah. has not actually had like a ton of screen time to yeah. this point, three episodes in, but we have learned so much about her character. She already has Needle. She's already learning how to be a water dancer. She's already infuriated at the Hound, yeah. and we know how crucial that relationship and that tension is going to end up being. And she's already making lists. Like, yeah. this is who she is. She's going to grow into each of those things, but they're already here defining her. Love it. It's just great stuff. Ride or die for Ari. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you for listening and for doing some water dancing with us today. We uh, we hope that you had as much fun as we did and that yeah. you will join us again next time when we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 4, Cripples, Bastards, and Broken Things. Until then... Be mindful.
0: They never tell you how they shit themselves. (laughs) They never tell you that in the songs. Gods, I was strong then.